0: Welcome to Episode 5 of the Sick Moms Guide. Hello. Welcome to the Sick Moms Guide podcast with your host, Jen Hardy. Jen is an author, wife, mom of seven, and collector of eclectic diseases. Jen believes that if moms with health issues can join together to lift the veil of shame and ditch the guilt, then as a community, we will make each other stronger. Hey, Chu, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm so excited to have you here telling your story. Um, You've got a pretty amazing health journey that I thought we were going to talk about until a couple months ago, and it completely changed. So now it's going to be a little bit different, but I'm so glad you're going to share with everyone. It, can you start by telling a little bit about yourself and your family?
1: Sure. Um, so I'm Shu, um, and I, my family and I will live in Central PA. I have three children. My daughter is Hope, and uh, she'll be 12 in April. She keep reminding me, "Don't see eleven. I'm almost 12. So, so she'll be twelve in April, and then I have two sons. Um, Gabriel will be Gabriel is six, and Daniel's four. Um, so, I am a single mom, and my kids, all three of them, have special needs. So, we're we busy household, you know, busy household here, and everybody needs a little extra help.
0: Yeah. Well, I didn't see and I didn't realize that it was it was three because we've got our hands full with two with special needs. So. Mm -hmm. yeah you just have a lot going on yeah keeps life interesting (laughs) you know it does keep life interesting and it keeps us learning about things we never knew we didn't know right exactly so I've learned so much about development and different doctors I didn't know existed as oh yeah (laughs) okay oh go ahead sorry no I totally agree (laughs) (laughs) so what does your typical day look like
1: Oh boy. Ah, life has changed so much, like you said the past three months, no, three months or so. So right now, my typical day will be waking up um, around six o'clock in the morning, because uh, my daughter is in middle school and she leaves the house at 655. So I usually wake up at six, but I'm still in bed, like I have one eye open just to make sure that she's awake. And um, I've been home for two months now since I came from home from the hospital but I still cannot do steps. So my bedroom is downstairs and I have a bathroom in my bedroom. All the kids sleep upstairs. Um, so she has to come down to let me know she's awake. Or if I don't see her about like 6.15, then I'm calling her on her phone <laughs> just make sure she's awake. Um, but I wake up at least so that when she comes down at 6.15, she's dressed, she'll let me know she's dressed and I can, the dining room literally outside my room. So my door will be open, I can see her eat and then she'll come and we'll, you know, talk a little bit in the morning um so then by like six thirty or so i'll start you know slowly getting out of bed because in the morning like all oh, my muscles right now are just like you know asleep <laughs> like i say they're still sleeping they're not moving yet so but you know it takes me a good half hour just to be able to get them working and get my walker to get out and uh, get out of bed and um so by six she'll be out the door to get the bus and um she usually helps to wake up um, Gabriel, the mid, my middle child son, but he's the only one that goes to school. Um, and then when if he's not up, if he is, he's not up by seven. Then I'm at the bottom of the steps, literally like yelling his name because I can't <laughs> go to do the steps. And these kids are pretty, no, they're pretty smart since they know like right now I have limited mobility. They use that to their advantage, you know, they're or me, but nobody's moving because the mom can't get up there. Really? So they just lay there and don't want to come down. Uh, but eventually he'll come down and um, I'll make sure he's dressed. And, you know, I do like, I call it bedside parenting, you know, like I'm even sitting down somewhere and do all this, you know, coaching, like put this ear, pull this arm and, and it's, it works well. The kids have learned so much, you know, how to be independent. It's just me giving directions. Um, so, again, make sure that he gets to school and you know by help pack his pack his lunch. By the time he's you know eat breakfast and gets on the bus, then I usually have therapy, uh, either physical therapy, occupational, or I still get speech. Although my speech is you know came a long way, I still struggle like with um, short term memory and some like some of the higher function processing stuff. So, I still you know doing some of that through speech therapy. And after that, I need a nap. It's like i can't <laughs> I can't do anymore. um and there's times where like after I get the younger one to on the bus, I need to go take a nap um, the youngest one daniel the four year old he because of his health needs, he does get nursing at home, and his nurse gets here eight. So when the nurse gets here at eight eight fifteen, the middle child gets on the bus. I either go back to bed, take a nap, or I have therapy at eight thirty. But I'll have my therapy, go back to bed, and then probably wake up later, take meds, and eat lunch, go back to bed. And now might be up a little bit in the afternoon or either a new therapy session or chatting with friends on, on uh, online or making over doctor's appointments um, and then trying to take another nap before the kids come home from school. So it's been a lot of resting lately because physically I just can't do much. Right. But well, we, no, I save up, like I keep saying, telling you, I save up my energy for when the kids come home. <laughs> so... At least, you know, I'm able to be up when they get home and eat dinner with them when I can. And But it, it is, it's a lot of do a little bit, rest, do a little bit and rest. Right. Yeah. So originally I had wanted to talk to you about migraines
0: because that is a problem that a lot of women have. And we might be able mm-hmm. to talk about that a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, you've had something more significant happen, which is what's requiring all the sleep. So maybe you could talk a little bit about what happened and how it happened.
1: Sure. So I, um, about three months ago, I had a scheduled surgery and I went to the hospital and so we're talking about woman issues. I can share it. I went for a uh, hysterectomy. I had a lot of female problems and for a few years we've been trying to control them and we tried different meds and it just, things weren't working. And I got to the point where I was so much in pain. I'll be laying in bed for, you know, pretty much, you no. Know, all day um, or I couldn't even hug my kid because I was that like my bed was that tender like if you just touch me I'll scream um, the inflammation was just so bad so I ended up um, scheduled I was scheduled for the hysterectomy I went in the hospital I had the hysterectomy all went well I came I went I, when I got in the recovery room I started getting these really bad headaches and it was it just seemed like some it seemed like someone would just come in like tap my head with a, with a hammer and then it stopped. So it wasn't like constant, That like, it wasn't my usual migraine that I was used to. It wasn't like a regular headache you get that's like, you know, constant. Like, you know, it's like, you feel it, you know, it's there. Right. No, just like one second thing. And it's like, not one second, but maybe a minute and then it stops. And so I literally lay them in, like, in the hospital bed and I'll scream and they're like, what's wrong? Like my head hurts. And then I'll stop and they're like, okay, she's hallucinating <laughs> or something. Right. You know, I was like, it was weird. And then i like, it's gone. I'm like, look, well, that's really weird. I said, is that your typical migraine? I'm like, no, that's not my typical migraine. <laughs> if I was having a migraine, I would still be crying right now. Like, it just won't come and go. And I had, like, two of those in the recovery room. And then, so they took me back to, they, they took me back to the observation room then. And my virus sounds were fine. Everything was normal. And as I sat there, my dad came and he started asking me how I was doing. and um. And I said, well, I think I'm fine. I just, my head feels weird. And I, I, he's like, you're dizzy? I'm like, no. And then the nurse came in with, um, uh, what was it? Like a Popsicle. And they said, don't like, give you something cold because I had to pull tubes through my mouth for the surgery. Right. Just kind of help with that, you know, irritation and stuff. And then I started eating the Popsicle. My dad started, kept asking me questions. And I'm answering his question. I think I'm answering this question. And his eyes are a little popping up, like literally popping up on his eyes, on his uh, his face. I'm like, what is wrong with him? (laughs) Because in my mind, I'm like, I'm answering this question. But here the whole time, I'm talking, nothing, no sound was coming out. And so I lost my speech. That's when the stroke started. So I was literally talking and then I was losing, my my speech was gone. And then as he's staring at me, my left, the left side of my face started (gasps) drooping. Oh, wow. And then, so, like, he didn't want to, like, and my dad is a medical doctor by trade, so he didn't want to, like, you know, stop me from talking because he, like, he knows if he stop, like, you know, then it's not good for, like, they want to keep you out as loud as possible. Right. But he left the room that I don't know something was wrong, so, like, he was just standing there, like, never sure what to do, although he's, he's a medical right. doctor. And I could see this expression in his face, I'm like, I can read your face right now, you know, and, you know, I know something's wrong. And then, he pressed the button, and 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 the nurse came, and I if I came and made He, he you no know, talking to the nurse like I, they were whispering, and like oh, I knew something was wrong. He didn't want me to hear right. it because I could hear everything they were saying, and I could so at that time I still I could still understand everything anybody was saying. And before I knew it, the no the patient nurses came, the doctor there, the surgery came, and then. They start doing all this neurology tests on me, like, you know, squeeze my hand. And then they realized I had a weakness on the left side. I couldn't, I couldn't raise my left hand. And then my left, the left side of my face, like literally start feeling tense. Like they'll ask me to smile. I'm like, it just, it's hard. What happened to my face? What did you guys do to my face? <laughs> and then, like, we didn't do anything to it. And that's what I realized. Like I, I knew the signs either. I knew, I never had a stroke, but I knew the signs of stroke. But right. then I'm like, oh, this is bad this is really wow. happening. And they so, you know, they called a rapid response and then, yeah, within like five minutes the room was full of people and they start asking me simple questions, like, who's the president? And I'm looking at them. I'm like, it's right here in the tip of my tongue and I couldn't get it out. Wow. And that's when I realized like I lost my speech. So they ended up um, putting me in a helicopter. They flew me to a bigger hospital um, in the area, got there um, Of course, they rush me through all these doors. Like, you go for the MRI, go for CAT scan, and I end up um, being in um, the ICU. Oh boy, I think it was uh, three or four days. I can't remember all the details because by the time I got to the ICU, I was really pretty bad. Um, So I was in the ICU for a few days. I couldn't totally, I lost my speech for, for those few days I was in there. It wasn't until I got out of there that I could say a few words, but even then, Like, I couldn't put a sentence together. Um, And after the ICU, I spent a couple of days in the hospital, then went to rehab for about three weeks and had to literally start learning to speak again. Like, I had aphasia really bad where I'll say a sentence and my words are all mixed up, or I'll start talking and I I just can't get the words out. Um, And then my left side, it wasn't paralyzed. I couldn't move it a little, like, you no know, I could, I had movement, but I didn't have, um, like it wasn't functional. Like I could maybe move my fingers, but I can't lift the cup. You know, I can't, you know, move it on command. Like now I can do it. But I was, I, when it all happened, I wasn't there. Um, I, so I went from literally being in bed for the whole time and then went to the wheelchair and now I'm using a walker. Um, I'm having therapy at home. So it's been quite a journey, but, um, Three months seems like it was like forever, but it's been a long three months.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause I've been watching, you know, I've been watching from afar and, you know, like I was saying earlier, it seems like you've come so far, so fast from here, but I'm sure mm-hmm. three months for you. Yeah. It doesn't feel fast at all, but, and it's amazing. As I'm looking at you right now, you, you I can't tell any difference with your left side mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you have your beautiful smile back and you know, everything's mm-hmm, there, but, mm-hmm. but, um, it's amazing, and thank goodness it happened when you were in the hospital and not yes. back at home because it sounds like it was a pretty significant stroke. And, yeah, it was great that your dad knew exactly what was happening and people seemed to really respond.
1: Yeah, the- yeah, being there, exactly right. Like It's a good thing that I was right there and I could get help right away. Um, I'm sure if I was at home, the time I would have been able to get to the medical facility and get all the help maybe, you know, it would have been totally, totally different. Like, the outcome, you know, would have been, would not been the same. And definitely, like, I wasn't even sure I went to go to rehab in the first place. Because, again, I'm a single mom, so I was worried about my kids. Right. Originally, I went to the hospital. I was supposed to be there for a day and go back, you know, after my procedure. Right. So, like, I miss my kids. It's Thanksgiving and Christmas is coming. And you're talking about rehab. And, you know, I couldn't process all of that back then. Right. So, it was scary. But I'm glad I went. Because I, you know, I was just the three weeks I spent there was oh, a huge help. Like I, I got so, so, even when I came home, like the therapy I got home is never compared to the work that I was, I was able to get to do a, a rehab, a big difference. Um, and I, and that was my first time being in the rehab facility. So I don't know if, you know, the all like that, I was just lucky to be in a good facility, right. but it was really, it made a big difference. Well, good. That's, that's so amazing. So
0: as a mom, cause I think, you know, I was just in the hospital just for overnight and we were mm-hmm. scrambling to figure out cause we thought they were going to keep me for a week. What in the world mm-hmm. will we do with my kids? Cause we just don't have, we don't have any family here. So what, how did you figure that all out? Especially like when you've had a stroke and you're not talking.
1: It's, 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 it's been a journey. Um, so like I, I've learned to be very proactive and I, as much like, I'm like you, yeah, I don't have a lot of you know, blood relatives around me, but I've learned to create a support system, which is a lot of people who are, that have just met through church, for work, through the neighborhood that, you know, are, became like family and people really pitch in. So originally, because I knew I'll be having the surgery, I wouldn't be able to do much after that. I had my... um Stepmom was coming from Pittsburgh. which was like four hours away, and we had scheduled my surgery like around Thanksgiving because of the time that she would be off. So I was strate- strategic in that way that you know I knew I could get her to be here during that time. So we kind of work around the dates. You no, know, we kind of you know, that was kind of planned, right? You know, for that season and all that. So it worked that she could be here until I think the Monday after Thanksgiving. And then after that, because I was stuck there, then a very good friend of mine, um, a very good friend of mine who actually just recently retired. I mean, that would have just been, honestly, I keep saying this the grace of God because right. I could have not, you know, it anticipated that she would be able to, I mean, she helped before, but I, she was not planning to be do that for this long and she ended up literally moving it into my house and staying here with the kids oh that is so amazing that is just so
0: inspirational to know that somebody would be willing to just do that you know that was a long time for her to do that
1: yeah it was a whole month from the hospital to the rehab yeah and then on the weekends usually she went to take care of her parents who live like an hour away. So on the weekends and the family from my church took the kids for the weekend. So for every weekend, they'll go for like a sleepover at this family's house and then came back on Sunday after church. But during the week when they had to go to school, they had somewhat of a normal schedule. Like they kept, you know, their regular routine, which again, as you know, with our kids with special need, that's so, so, so important. Yes.
0: Yeah, we um, live Groundhog you know. Day every day. So,
1: yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah, To disrupt that <laughs> and put them
0: somewhere else for three weeks would—I can't even imagine <sighs> what it would be like. Oh, so, oh, that yeah. is so fantastic yeah. that you have that support. That is really oh, good, yeah. and it's good for people to know. Like, even if you don't think that whatever your illness is is going to require that, it is good to know. Like, what would you do, and have things prepared just in case something happened? Especially if you're a right. single mom, you know. But even as a as a couple, like. You know, when when I was on the way to the hospital, we were in a little bit of a panic because we haven't set that up quite like we should. So, um, mm-hmm. so that's really it's a really good reminder of
1: yeah. I tell to people hard. always be yeah yeah always be proactive and plan. You know, that's why you know it's just like you we prepare for the rainy day before it happens. You know, so you never know when. Especially when we have these health issues, and we even or we have kids with special needs. It's going to be a time where one of them needs, you know, medical care. And then you have to worry about the over, you know, for me, like the over two. So creating the support system before the crisis happens, that way you can even having in writing, like, you know, having those people already lined up, like I'll, you know, text so-and-so and, and, you know, to call when something happens. Uh, And it makes a big difference. Like I'm really, it's been really a blessing for my family to have, The support the people we have right now, and like I said, I've been home for three months, and I still cannot drive. So imagine it's been people picking up my Gabriel, my middle son, from the after-school program every single day, and it's been again people who are not paid to do that. Right. You know, it's it's so yeah, it takes a village, and I'm glad I, you know, built that village, but it took a lot of work. You know, I've been in this area for 13 years to kind of build (laughs) build that village, but it, it takes you know, it's, it's so, so like you said, it's, you know, it's inspiring. It's encouraging for me to see that we have that support.
0: And for your kids too, I think that's so good for them to know, like people do care, you know, and because I know so many kids, especially like your your daughter's age, you know, they feel kind of alone and, you know, do people really care? And then to see this outpouring of support for you and for them is such a good thing for them to see and a good example for them. That is so awesome. So are you, are you, working right now or because I've seen some things for Grace and Hope Consulting. So are you able to do that at this time?
1: Yes, yeah, so yes and no. Um, some of the things that I've been done before, I always say everybody can work. You know, it's how we define work. Um, so I can now work 40 hours a week, you know, and that's just something I cannot do. But I can like right now record a podcast, you right. <laughs> know, with you. Um, So, yes, I'm working. If you know, we count the things that I can do, I can, you know, do a short Facebook live, you know, 10 minutes and encourage someone else. Um, I can post, you know, stuff on my Facebook page, you know, for business. Um, And I have, like, I had to cancel all my contracts that I have, like, you know, for things that I do for disability services, like inclusion work and, you know, speaking engagement I had for January. I I had to cancel all of that. So, right now, As far as, you know, contracts, I have none um, because I had to give those up. I couldn't commit to anything so I didn't know what the outcome would be. And even people who see me like nobody knew when I was in the hospital or even rehab that today I'll be able to honestly speak this well and have a conversation right i know i'm um, so amazed i am just so yeah.
0: amazed at
1: listening to you right now and <laughs> yeah so i so all of that i don't have um what we're doing right now with grace and hope consulting i'm trying um as much as i can to do a lot of things virtually um so i am i i do have actually some people helping right now um some of the beyond the scene work. Um, which is, you know, again, huge help. And we're trying to promote some online uh, online uh, group therapy programs. And because um, I can, you know, as much as I need the rest, but I can sit there, I can be online for an hour and do a group with people and then have everybody else help me with, you know, the scene stuff. And um, as far as like speaking engagement, I think my first one that I committed to, it's not into like April. Um and that's because now I know I can probably I can speak for an hour, you know, come April right. and I have time to prepare for it. Oh, that's great. Yes. That's great. And, and you know, I forgot to ask and or say what Grace
0: yes. and Hope Consulting is and what you did before all of this happened.
1: Well, sure, I can share. Um, so Grace and Hope Consulting is... Um, my fourth baby, as I call it, uh, so I have three humans and I have a big business. That's my fourth baby. Um, so I am a Christian counselor and I also do mental health counseling and disability consultations. And so, most of the contracts, when I mentioned contracts before, those are all for disability related services. Okay. And then, um, I'd also do this, you know, uh, so speaking engagements and, um, with the counseling piece like I have, I do one-on-one counseling um, virtually and also in office. So right now we're trying to focus more on the virtual piece of it since, you know, my mobility is limited. So I'm focusing on doing more of like the virtual sessions um, for individual counseling as well as group counseling. That's amazing.
0: That is so amazing. You are so inspiring. I love it. I just love, love that you're sharing. And, you know, I think it's important for people to know that, you know we. A lot of times we picture stroke as something that happens to older people or, you know, different things and that it can happen. And so mm-hmm. um, I know you touched on it a little bit before, but what are the main warning signs for a stroke? I think that's something that's really important for people to know.
1: Right. So um, before I get to warning signs, okay. so yes, stroke can happen to anyone. Um, I am 33. So, you know, I am young and it happened to me. So if I was like, you're so young, it shouldn't happen. Like, well, it happened to me. I'm 33. And um, some health conditions will put you to higher risk. For me, it was the migraines. So what happened, I had the um, migraine that triggered a um, vascular spasm in my brain. So it's called the cerebrovascular spasm. And, and it's, it's a migraine. It's uh, sorry, it's a stroke. So often people, when they think about stroke, they think about like you know having a brain bleed. That's a type of stroke where you're, like, you're you that you literally know a uh, bleed in your brain, or you have a uh, brain clot. Right. Those are the two main ones that people know of. Well, I didn't have a clot. I didn't have a bleed. I literally have a spasm. So wow. like I was sharing earlier, like I'll feel like somebody will just knock my head with a hammer, and then it stops. Right. That was a spasm, just like. You have the oh. spasm in your arm or your leg. See, because I was thinking that that and was a clot. So that's it's yeah, right no, after that surgery. Was, I, you know, yes, no, I didn't have a clot. So literally, because I have a history of migraine, I was a higher risk, high risk for that. Wow. See, and that is that yes. is really good information. Not to scare people, but just to say, hey, no, you know, no. this is a possibility, yes.
0: right? Because I had never even heard yes. that
1: before. So, when before you go for surgery, you want to make sure that all your doctors know your medical history, and uh, even one thing that we had to look into uh, to afterwards is what kind of anesthesia they use for people with migraine. There is there there's a type of anesthesia that shouldn't be that actually you know causes stroke in patients with migraine. Oh, wow. um, we did be researched. That's not the one they used for me, but again, I still had it. So you just want to be cautious as you know going for surgery, make sure that you're covering all that. Um, so the usually the regular sign for, you know, um, signs for stroke is the international sign is fast. So you look for the person's face. Is there any signs on the face, you know, Usually it's like the eye will droop some on the side, or sometimes the mouth. Um, if the might be alterations in their, like their thinking, um, they might lose their speech like me. Or it might be in the part of the body, like in the limb by me go, my go, numb. Mm-hmm. Um, so those, are, those are the things to usually watch for. Okay. And then sometimes too, like there's people who have like mini stroke, then they might have not have no, they're actually having it, but they might feel like, Oh, I feel dizzy for a little bit. And then that like for the one second, second like so disoriented and like, and they're like, Oh, what has happened? Like, Oh, I'm fine don't like now that I tell people don't ever take that one minute. You don't know what happened to you. Don't take it for granted. Like don't take it just lightly, you know, go and get checked, (laughs) you know, because like, even now that this happened to me, like, and again, when you get it, you ever have a stroke the first time, now you're higher risk of having a stroke. Okay. Um, and then once you have, um, over condition, like, you know, like for me was migraine, but the people with high blood pressure, people, um, people with, um, who have my struggle with the weight. You know, there's all this over stuff that puts you at a higher risk to, to have a stroke. Okay. So you want to, you know, we all do our best to take care of ourselves, but knowing that one thing might lead to another. So again, making sure that, you know, you have the proper, you know, treatment team in place that people are following and making sure that you're taking care of yourself. Um, and I've also known that people, I've heard of people who had, strokes because of the birth control they're taking because if you have a type of the if you have a history of migraine there's actually some type of birth controls that might trigger blood clots oh wow and so all the things I'm learning now that I'm actually you know i experienced this so right. I, I you know I didn't have that in, but again that's something also to look into so when you have you know what a chronic illness no matter what it is you just want to make sure that you know new med- medication you're taking is not interfering with it. And now that I had a stroke, there's medication that I cannot take for my migraine. Like I was taking med- medication before, I have to now get off of it. Like the one is uh, Whelpax, which is like a rescue meds for migraines, and I have to be off of it. Um, and it's whole new things that I need to take, I, you know. And as much as I'm talking better, but now I have like nerve pain on my face, on my arm, my legs, like my whole side, I can move it, but I still can't put weight on it. Like I still have to use my walker to, you know, walk and get around. And if I hold something for too long, my hand will just go numb, and then I get this tingling sensation, and the nerve pain starts. Oh wow! And we, nobody knows for sure if that will ever that will ever get better. So like that's more medication again, and just like Ugh. right, that's a, <laughs> I don't like meds. Yeah, no, yeah I, I don't so, either. But
0: so yeah. well, this is this has been so interesting because a lot of these things I didn't know. And I, I think a lot of people just have no idea, which is part of the reason why mm-hmm. I wanted you to talk. And maybe another day we can talk about migraines. Um, this yes. has been so good. I, didn't, I, I don't trouble. want to wear you out because I know <laughs> so your energy is at a premium. Um, so I have, <laughs> I have two questions um, to ask you the last two. One, um, what is advice that you would give because I know you counsel a lot of people, too, and you deal with chronic illness. What mm-hmm. advice would you give to a mom with chronic illness like in, in general? Like in, down have avenue mm-hmm. you're thinking, just what would be good yeah. advice?
1: I think, first of all, it's to realize that your illness, whatever diagnosis you have, does not define you. You know, it might be part of, you know, your journey. It's part of maybe who you are right now and what are your season of life you're dealing with. You know, yes, it might be chronic, but it doesn't have to define who you are. Because if, you know, you, Jen, or myself, if we just looked at all the diagnosis we have, we we'll would never be able to do what we're doing today. Right. Right. <laughs> so we have to still literally living beyond our diagnosis and choosing to live no matter what. Um, and, like I said earlier, anybody can work, so i 'm not saying I 'm not saying that to say that people who are home are not working that they're not doing anything, no, but finding what you enjoy doing, even if you 're volunteering for two hours, even if like you're, you 're know, recording something like this and you know to encourage someone else, it, it do something just that you 're passionate about that gives you a purpose and a reason to live and get out of bed every day.
0: I love that. that is awesome. Okay. And the last thing is, what is your superpower?
1: I think my superpower is my faith, I believe, because I keep going no matter what, because I know that no matter what comes my way, it always turns out for the best.
0: That's great. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much. I don't want to make you too tired, but I really appreciate you coming and, Saying so much about this and just educating us about stroke, because I honestly didn't know a lot of the things that you talked about today. So now I know, and I will have in the show notes um, links to you and how to get in touch Mm -hmm. with you and what you're up to and the signs of a stroke so that people know what to look for, even if the people around them are young, because like you said, 33 years old you know and who would have thought so thank you so much for being willing to be so transparent and sharing and i really appreciate it and you you are a true inspiration thank
1: you so much thank you thank you Jen. thanks for all that you do and creating this platform for all of us to share and encourage one another thank you so much Uh, i will talk to you soon see you A big
0: thank you to Shu for being on the show today. I know that it was difficult and we really appreciate your time. If you like today's episode, please subscribe and rate it. It really helps out the podcast. Today's episode was sponsored by the book, The Sick Mom's Guide to Having Fun Again, If I Can Do It, You Can Too. It's available at all major online booksellers. Our introduction is by Nikki Brown and our music is A New Day by Scott Holmes. See you next week.